welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you. Now let us begin. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Living Parables podcast. I appreciate your guys' time today. I want to start off by saying that I hope you guys have a safe, healthy, and happy July 4th. It is a very special day of freedom in this country. We have a lot of freedoms that sometimes we take for granted, but just take a time if you have someone in your life or someone that you know that has served in the military or is currently serving in the military to thank them because without our men and women in the armed services, we wouldn't have the freedoms we have today. And especially above all things, make sure that you thank God who truly grants us freedom in his son. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get started today. We're going to talk about walking the narrow. The way of a true, authentic Christian is the most difficult of journeys. As much as it is difficult, the reward of heaven with God forever is far greater than anything we could ever experience on earth. No thing that we would ever consider good compared to the glory of Christ. Nothing we could endure, such as trials and tribulations, can come close to the eternal joy we will experience in heaven. That is a wonderful promise. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The sufferings that it's talking about here in Romans 8.18 means trials, burdens. This could be anywhere from health to family issues. Those are probably the two main trials that people go through that have just a lot of things that encompasses. But those are the things that we go through now until we go to be with the Lord. And it's nowhere in comparison to the glory that is to be revealed. That gives us hope. That even, oddly enough, can make us anticipate with joy uh, when our days are done. So we're going to go ahead and get started. We're called to walk on the narrow path. As found in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, which reads in verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. Verse 14, For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. A key word few stands out to me. The narrow path the narrow way, walking the narrow, is not for the faint of heart. I've said this many times. Matter of fact, being on this path means that we've come to the realization that we cannot walk on this path by our own strength. To be able to walk the narrow road, our first step that we take is putting on and putting all of our trust and faith in Christ surrendering to his lordship and letting the Holy Spirit lead us on this path. He truly is the mover and shaker. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us, gives us the mind of Christ, and shows us the ways that 
God wants us to live through his word. And you've heard this saying before, and I'm going to say it on here because it's one of those old sayings, but it's very, very true. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And that first step is putting our faith in Christ. Some people, when they go to church and they hear a sermon or they, they start reading the Bible and they're not a believer in Christ yet, it comes off as intimidating and it comes off as very foreign to them. And to give you just a little bit of comfort here, it was foreign to me at one point too. But now it's everything. It's precious to me. It's it's sacred. And the deeper I go with Christ, the more precious his promises truly become. So let's talk about this narrow path, walking the narrow. Walking biblically means our daily conduct. Not walking in the desires of the flesh, but of the spirit, being spirit-controlled. Walking is a continuous action. It's habitual, and it's a lifestyle. Christianity is not just another religion out there. It's more than that. It's a relationship. It's a saving relationship with Jesus Christ in which we cannot do anything on our own to save ourselves. And so walking the narrow path, and we just read it, few find it. There's not going to be a great multitude of people on this earth that are going to follow Christ. That's That's just the way it is. There's only a few. And so the challenge on that is taking this calling that we've been given, those of us that have put our trust and faith in Christ and Christ alone, is that we take it very seriously. When we read Scripture, we don't read it academically. We don't read it for trivia knowledge. We read it for our personal holiness to make us more in the image of God's Son. That's the goal. If your goal is anything in Christianity is anything but being like Christ, you need to reevaluate yourself. It has nothing to do with being blessed, having angels work for you. It has nothing to do with those things at all. It's not about health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what that is. That is a false gospel. You've heard me say it many times. So again, walking the narrow is not for the faint of heart. So we are called to walk in newness of life. I want you to listen to Romans, the sixth chapter, in the fourth verse. This verse speaks volumes as to what exactly we're talking about here. So Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we have been buried with him, talking about Jesus, through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We are called to walk in newness of life. So what does that mean? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So that means that we are no longer who we thought we were. We are 
solely identified in Christ. That's where, I, where that's where our true identity comes from. The things of this world is is basically basically about titles and stature. You can go down the list. I'm a CEO of this company, or I'm a manager of this company, or I'm a teacher, or I'm a firefighter, I'm this, I'm that. And we take that and we make that our identity. And that's not what our, our true identity is. Our, our true identity is found in Christ. Remember, it says, well, we just read it in 517, the old things have passed away, sinful desires. And that's what truly, outside of Christ, that's what dominates our minds. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. But we need to be consumed with the new things, the holy things, the righteous things, the fruit of the Spirit, the armor of God, the attributes we talked about just not that long ago in Second Peter. So we'll, we'll get to those in detail in future episodes. So again, we are called to walk in newness of life. Now, one thing that has been standing out to me lately is Romans 12, 2. This is a one this is actually one of my favorite pieces of scripture. And as you guys know, my favorite scripture is John 14, 6. But this one is really speaking volumes to me as of late, especially with the way our world is going. Listen to this, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we have two choices, people. We have two choices, either conform or be transformed by Christ, which I'm going to stop with that because that's actually going to be a future two-parter. God willing soon conform or transform. So be on the lookout for that, but conforming to the world. Okay. That is what we do outside of Christ. And it is so important, brothers and sisters, I need you to hear me out here that if you're in Christ, do not backslide back to conforming to the world. Christ does not need to be updated. He's on an app that needs to be updated. He's not something or someone that's outdated. He is living. He is active. His words in this book are true. They're holy. They're righteous. And remember, he gives us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. So again, he doesn't need to be updated. What the world tries to tell you is that Jesus is, is a good guy. He's a good teacher. He did love people, but you know what? He's just, he was just a guy. And some people believe that he was even created by God. And most people think that he didn't even exist anyway, or God is not even out there. So again, there's a lot of things out there, but my plea to you is if you're in Christ, never let up off the gas never stop pursuing him and never go back to the world because the world is empty, pale and poor in comparison to the wonderful, glorious 
awesome wonder of Jesus Christ. It pales in comparison. So if we're conforming to the world, we're on the broad road that leads to destruction, which we found in Matthew 7. Or being transformed by Christ, and that's the narrow road. And that's what that's what we need to be. We need to stay on that narrow path. And it's hard because, going back to verse 2 here in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. It's easy to do. Just do whatever you want. Keep living life. You ever been in one of those lazy rivers? They're really fun. But one thing my sons and I do every single time is go against the current. And now that makes a lot of people upset because they're like, really, guy? You're really doing this right now? <laughs> but that's what we're called to be. We're, we're going against the grain. We're going against the flow. Well, this is not the way that you're supposed to be. How come you're so different? Jesus Christ. He's transforming. He's made me new. Nate, you're going through these trials. Why are you happy? Why are you at peace? This All this bad stuff's going on. My strength doesn't come from myself. It comes from Jesus Christ. And I say that with all humility. I have no strength in me to overcome these things. Because I'll tell you right now, if I were to go about my life with my own strength, I'd be a worried, anxious menace to society. <laughs> I, you know, when sometimes when my kids get sick, I lose my mind and because I because I love them so much and I don't want anything to happen to them and all these other things. But lately, I've been really trusting the sovereignty of God. And I'll tell you, that gives you peace that goes beyond all understanding. That's what that verse comes from. Trusting God with everything, even though that I can't do a single thing to help my kids out. I don't get it. Well, God's got everything under control. But it goes back to being transformed. That That is a transformation process because it says here, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So guess what? The renewing of your mind does not come easy. When you've been stuck inside of this rut, inside of this, this cultural cycle of way of thinking and how you're supposed to process things and speak your own truth and live your own life and do these own things your way and be your own you and all these other things like that. What Christ says, you need to die, die to yourself. You need to take up your cross and follow me. You need to put off the old self. And you're like, what? How do you do that? Well, that only comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I keep saying that almost every single episode, because it's so important. But, you know, here's the takeaway real quick so far. We're called to walk the narrow. The reason there are so few on the path is because conforming to the world, again, like I said before, it's easy and it comes natural. Walking the narrow comes at a cost, but the reward will be so great. And I'll tell you this. The gospel does not give the sinner what it wants naturally. And so that's what I'm trying to say here. Churches at times want to chase the culture. They want to play this specific type of music to get them into the building. They, they want people to come in so they'll, they'll compromise on things 
to get people in. Honestly, what church should be to the unbeliever, it should be a foreign, alien, confusing, where am I at, what is going on type of experience. Because remember, the natural man doesn't understand the things of God because they are of the Spirit. So again, all these things of the Spirit of God are foreign to the unbeliever. That's how it should be. So this narrow road comes with a transformed mind, and that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, and we're going to break down those verses, and then we're going to send you on your way. So as I'm getting to Ephesians, and like I've told you many times before, bonus points to you if you beat me there. I'm almost there. But this road that we're on, the narrow road, is challenging. You will have people in the church that will either walk away, that will wrong you, that will even condemn you, that will backbite, and will also, it will hurt you. I've experienced it several times. That doesn't mean that God isn't good. It just shows you the depravity of man. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but spiritual dark forces of this world. You don't think they're going after the church? The, the church is in shambles right now. It's a mess. And what I believe God is doing is he is setting apart those who are truly his, his elect, and building them up and making them stronger so that we can stand firm for what's about to come. And I'll tell you, a big spiritual battle is here, and it's only going to get worse. And you need to choose what side of the fence you're on, because a lot of people, they, they don't pick a side. They want to float in the middle. They just want to, they want to drift there and hang out and ride the fence. And and unfortunately, that is making a choice, and that is no. And so you need to choose: Are you going to be on the broad road, which is easy, everyone else is doing it, just live your life and do whatever it is you want, or are you going to go on the narrow road, walk that narrow, and only a few find it? So again. That's the choice you have to make. So we're going to go ahead and start with 17, go all the way down to 32. Follow along with me. And like I said, I would greatly encourage you to have a physical Bible in your hand. Reading with me as we go. Okay. So 17 through 32. So this I say and infirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, 
that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. There's a lot to unpack there. We're going to unpack this, and then we'll be done for today. Verse 17 says, walk no longer. Now, that obviously means stop doing it. Stop doing it. We're not going to walk the way unbelievers walk. People who are godless. He's telling us that we have a very high calling. And because of this, we must no longer walk in those ways. And when it talks about Gentiles here, it's talking about godless pagans. People who don't, who don't believe in God, who don't know God at all. And I said this before in previous episodes, and I'm going to say it again. Do not be alarmed, confused, or afraid of unbelievers quoting the Bible because they truly don't understand it. They think they do, but they really don't. So don't be alarmed when people come up with these theories and and this is what God actually meant because they have no clue. So don't be confused with those things. And then also in verse 17, what says the futility of their mind, unbelievers are unable to be productive or please God. That is a fact. Their minds are distorted and twisted by the world. Godly understanding is far from them and living morally the way God desires is unable to be so. And they're unable to produce the life that God requires. Their lives are empty, vain, and without meaning. That's why people do everything in their power to seek the things of this world to give them purpose, but ultimately it fails to live up to those expectations. In verse 18, it says, Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Remember Ezekiel 36, 26, where it talks about the heart of stone? Well, the heart of stone means that a person is hard-hearted towards God, his word, and his truth. By this, unbelievers are separated from God, ignorant of his truth, 
and they're willingly living in spiritual darkness. Moral blindness is the result, and we are seeing an uptick in this very thing before our very eyes. It's it's we are in a rapid downward spiral. In verse 19, it talks about having become callous. This is it, this is exactly the same thing as hard-heartedness, the heart of stone. They're morally cold to God and continually turn from him. And because they're callous, they're, they're given over to sensuality and impurity. It's a deliberate, malevolent, unrestrained lust for sin and its desires. It can even be cruel and violent. I mean, doesn't that sound like our world today? And so, again, they're not just talking about violence here, but also talking about sexual sins as well. There's an uptick in that as well. If you go back to basically when TVs first came out and shows were coming out, they had married couples sleeping in separate beds across the room. Now, on a regular TV show, they're showing people having those relations in in ways that are so blatant, uh, leaving nothing to the imagination that it's it's just in your face. Even commercials today are promoting things and showing girls and bikinis and all these other things like that. Uh, men and just doing perverse things. All the I, I know I'm, I'm seeing kind of off right now, but it's it's hard for me to talk about this at times because my kids and I have four boys here that are growing up in this and they're seeing these things, and it is such a huge, hard, challenging battle. And that's why we cannot leave our kids unoccupied without us being there to guide them morally because if they're just looking at it from face value they're going to take those things and think this is the way things are this is how things are supposed to be and god says otherwise so overall so far in these few verses the behavior of the unbeliever is depraved and there is no restraint in their sin the world applauds and promotes and celebrates those who fall in those categories. God clearly shows us that is against his will. And you know what? That, what we're talking about here, those, those sinful characteristics we just went over, those are easy to do. They're really easy. And that's why walking the narrow is so challenging because our flesh desire those things. They, they really do. Our flesh desires it. And the world says, do what you want. Sleep with whoever you want. Do whatever you want. Just as long as you don't really break major laws, You're do what you want. Do what you please. Eat, drink, and be merry. The Bible clearly says that we're not supposed to do those things. So again, who you can listen to the world comes up with false promises and 
false satisfactions and all those, those type of things versus God who truly satisfies. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to deal with that sometimes, but we are not called to be like everything else, to be like everybody else. We are called to be sanctified, to be set apart and be holy. And it's a challenge. That's why it's a challenge because you have, it's everywhere. School, work, TV, phones, the internet, you name it. Everything is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So it's a major challenge to stay on the narrow. Walking that narrow is such a challenge. Let's look at verses 20 and 21. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. We didn't learn Christ in that way. We were drawn to him. We were showed the truth. We repented and put our trust and faith and complete belief in his name. Verse 22, it says that in reference to your former manner of life, we used to be like those characteristics. We used to live in those. That's who we were. That's what we identified as. Listen to what it says here. This is where the challenge comes in. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. So, to lay aside means to strip away as in taking off old, filthy clothes. This is describing repentance, turning to God and submission to him. The old self is our fleshly self that is corrupted with the lust of deceit. That is the self that is direct opposition of God. We take that old self off. We don't put it in a closet somewhere. We don't, we don't put it in a box. We don't say, well... Man, I, I wish I could wear that again. I wish I could do that again. Ah, oh, this this life is so hard. And this Christian life is just, it's overwhelming. I, I just don't know if I can do it. I'm going to go back to my old ways. When you take off the old self, you take it off, you put it in a fire, and you burn it. That's what we need to do. Verse 23 says, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And in verse 24, put on new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So this new self, this new mind, this renewed spirit, this isn't a conversion of these renewal of things. That leads to a superficial change. It's not a, you've heard me say this before, it's not a 12-step program. It's not a part of your life that you do. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do my job here and do my hobbies. And then I do have a, this church thing on Sunday, and that's that's just a part of my life. No, this becomes our whole entire life. It's a complete transformation from old to new. This new self is created in righteousness and holiness in the truth. The new self is consumed by the will of God, obedience to God, 
to his glory and to his word. Verse 25 says, therefore laying aside falsehood. This would include anything that has to do with lying, fabrications, cheating, false promises, you name it. The true believer has nothing to do with any type of falsehood, but walking the narrow means that we are only of the truth. And that is very, very challenging because lies can be seemingly so small, but they have enormous consequences. Sin against God is a major issue. And the life of, of the believer, we know that we are still imperfect. We're being perfected, but we'll never reach perfection until the end. With that, we know that we will sin. And when we sin, we are hurting the heart of God. This verse talking about falsehood. Lying is so easy to do. Most people lie constantly. And I'm not saying that, oh, Nate, you're being judgmental and you're saying everybody lies all the time. I'm not saying that exactly, but people do make a habit out of lying. And some people are yes men and yes women. You don't know exactly what I'm talking about. One person says at work, Oh man, did you hear what someone said? And I can't believe they would do that. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 so terrible. Just to appease that person. And then another party who's kind of against that comes up and says, man, can you believe this? This? And you, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you're you're kind of caught in the middle, and you're saying yes to both, but you're not actually saying what's actual truth. That's one of those situations. I was caught up in those uh, a time or two in my in my time working. And so, you know, lying can become a very manipulative, sneaky type of process that really, if you look at it soberly, you're thinking, wow, I do that a lot. And, you know, with falsehood, we're talking about any type of fabrications, you know, you could you know, make up stuff, add a little bit of detail to the story that wasn't actual true, that that's, that's considered a lie. Any type of cheating and, you know, false promises and saying you're going to do something you don't, you know, those, those things add up. And as much as we think of ourselves as good people, which is, as we know, is false, that becomes disheartening when we read scripture, because scripture is here to convict us of our guilt, of our sin, and and lead us to Christ. So let's go ahead and move forward to verse 26, where it says, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. There is a anger that is okay, and that's called righteous anger. And all righteous anger is, is a hatred for injustice, immorality, ungodliness, and sin as a whole. That's all it really is. But we have to be careful, though, 
of not letting that anger turn into bitterness, which then can lead to sin. See, that's why it says, don't let the sun go down while we're angry. So I'll give you a quick example. I had a situation come up where I was on the phone with this hotel that we just stayed at. And they left my wife a voicemail saying that we owe them $80 extra for damages to the room. I was really confused on that. Basically, it turned out two picture frames were damaged. They were damaged when I got there. I just want to point that out for the record. They were damaged when I got there. I noticed it. I thought, well, they inspect the room. So I thought they probably already know. Big mistake. So we end up having a long, drawn out conversation. I did not get angry. I I did not swear at the guy. I didn't do anything like that at all. I don't I don't swear at people. But he was calling into question my character. And one thing I have a big problem with, and this is this is kind of turning off from a little bit of a study to just because we're on living parables, we talk about our stories we go through. But he was telling me basically that. I inspected the room myself. There was no damages. You guys stayed there. There's damages. You owe us that much. And I don't, I didn't like my character being called into question because if I were to damage something, I would pay for it seriously with a smile on my face. And I teach my kids that. And basically he told me that they're one of the most busiest of hotels on the, one of the busiest interstates. They, they hear this all the time. Take your number. See you later, basically. And aren't you glad that God doesn't do that to us? And now God has every single right to do those things to us. We, we, have, we can't stand on our own in front of him. And that's why I'm so grateful that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us to make us righteous before him. So that was a little bit of a, of a story there, but I, I was, I had righteous anger. I mean, I wasn't yelling at the guy. I, I told him, actually, I told him I respected his policies and respected where he's coming from. I tried to be as friendly as I could be. But after the phone call, after I hung up, I was heated. Now, if I would have let that set in, now it bothered me for about, 30 to 30 minutes to an hour after I got the phone, I was like, I can't believe this and blah, 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 blah. If I would have let that settle in and sink in and create that bitterness, I could have sinned. I could have lashed out on my kids. I could have lashed out on my wife. I could have done this and that. I gave it to God and I pray for that guy because he is in a tough situation. But, um, those are the things that the world gets caught up in and they just live in and they sulk in. Uh, I, I tried my best. I talked to the guy. I would never lie to anybody. Uh, and especially in a situation like that, but lying in general, I've tried, I try my very best not to do that at all, but it just didn't work out. But I could have, I could have, you see how that bitterness could have just easily infected me and caused me to just lash out. So again, those are the things we, we can have righteous anger, but we must be careful not to let it turn to bitterness. 
So because in verse 27, it says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. So again, right there, don't give the devil an opportunity. If you have righteous anger, that's okay. Give it to God. Let it go. Verse 28 says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather must he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Stealing is, any form or fashion is prohibited by God. When Jesus confronted sinners, he either healed or saved. He told them that they must sin no more. Zacchaeus, after he was converted, no longer embezzled money from people, but joyfully made restitutions for his wrongdoing. So instead of dishonest gain, God is saying to all of us that we must labor and we also need to devote ourselves to the betterment of others. Verse 29, this is the one I was talking about earlier that I struggle with. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now, I'm I'm letting you in in my heart here a little bit. I don't I don't swear, but sometimes I will use words that are alternatives to the swear words. The back side of that and the most challenging part of that is because I'm being so open with you, you're kind of like Oh, I didn't know Nate did that. Look at him. I say that with a little bit of hesitation, but I don't want to not confess things openly and publicly what I struggle with. But the bad part about that is that sometimes my kids will say those things. And that is very challenging. So this is verse 29 here. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That is... This stings a lot of us. The Greek for this word means rotten or foul for an unwholesome word. Cussing, dirty jokes, uh, alternative cussing in replacement of those words. As believers in Christ, our speech should be used to teach, uplift, encourage, and speak love to other people. And that's what I'm trying to do now. And it's hard to do that because when we get in situations, especially at work and and maybe some hobbies that we are around people that are not believers, we sometimes we want to try to fit into that mold. We want to fit into people and want people to like us and respect us. And we cannot seek the approval of men. We have to we have to be ever mindful of what God thinks in all situations. Wrapping it up here. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grieved is a very, very powerful word in the Greek. It means to distress, deeply cause emotional pain, intensity, and severity. So how do we do that? Well, when we refuse to put off our old self and continue in disobedience. Uh, Sin grieves the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because this text mentions specifically the Holy Spirit, it also lets us know that the Holy Spirit is an actual person. It's not, he's not some kind of a mist and type of figure. He, he is an actual person that can be grieved. So again, 
let us be mindful of those things. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we grieve God. So 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So all those characteristics show a change in a believer. We were that way or no, that we're not that any longer. We not only need to put it off and put away the old self, but we must have the right mind to completely get rid of it, to destroy it completely. Again, like I told you before, we're not putting it in our back pocket. We're not putting it in the closet and entertain the possibility of coming out again. We have to get rid of it completely. Now, this is the verse that I want to encourage you with for the end of the day. Verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted." Forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We need to be kind to one another, tender-hearted. And you know, we talked about the heart of stone earlier. Remember the flip side of that? God removes that heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, and that's what tender-hearted is. That's what being kind to one another is, forgiving each other. And you know, sometimes when we're talking about forgiving each other, we forget. But when we forgive each other... It's for everything, big and small things. We forgive because we have been forgiven such a great debt. And if you think about the debt we owed Christ, it's unrepayable. And we still sin on a daily basis, but our righteous, holy God still forgives us when we ask through his son. We need to forgive other people. For the sins they committed, not just to our family members, not just to the people that are our friends, but forgiving people that we not, may not be the biggest fans of. We need to be kind to one another. This is I know I repeated this three times in the last minute, but we need to be kind to one another. This is what the world needs, God's kindness. This includes people who are not our favorite people. They sin against us. And they smile with enjoyment when they do it. That's what makes it challenging. And we have to remember, they are made in God's image too. They are in the wrath of God if they're outside of Christ. And we as believers cannot show them hostility, but we need to show them grace because at one point we were in their shoes. And if we're showing hostility to them, we're not being Christ-like. When we show kindness to people who are taking advantage of us, sinning against us, hurting us, we are being like Christ. Walking the narrow is tough. I'll be the first one to tell you. Walking the narrow is tough. Putting off the old self is very difficult. But we as believers are called to the highest of callings and... Walking the narrow truly means walking as Jesus did. So with that being said, we're going to wrap up. But with this, I want to give you a little bit of a challenge here. I pray that you would read these verses again and pray over them. And if you're struggling with any of them, ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit to help you overcome. 
We're going to do something different at the end of the show. I'm going to end the shows from now on with, with prayer. I should have been doing this from the very beginning, but I'm actually going to say a quick prayer and then we'll go. Father, for this day, we're grateful. Thank you, God, for your blessings. And I pray that my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, including myself, that are walking the narrow, will continue to walk in that. It is tough. It is challenging. It is difficult. But God, with you, all things are possible. I pray that you would continue to strengthen us and help us to, to do your will, to seek after you, Lord, to get in your word, and to once again walk the narrow. Be with us this week. Give us strength and boldness to proclaim your name to others, to be kind to one another and tenderhearted. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you, my friends. Mm-hmm.